What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human beings too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how many years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual combo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. We are so grateful that you're here. So if you enjoy this podcast and want to connect further, we invite you to follow along on Instagram at what the actual fork pod and subscribe, rate and review our podcast so we can continue to share this message with more and more people. Now let's get into it. What the actual fork podcast. Hello, Sam. How are you? Hi, I'm I good. Said welcome on the other part of this episode. So I didn't want to say it again, but that was really hard. <laughs> You're just like, boom, uh, we're here. <laughs> welcome. I love it. I so love it. Instead of asking you how you are, I'm going to share my what the actual fork moment that I know you have the exact same one. And you and I had different takes on it on TikTok that were obviously the same, but different like responses to the video. There is one human being on TikTok that gets under my skin more than any other. <laughs> and um, now I already know what it is. Right? Go ahead. <laughs> I stitched this human being twice yesterday. And then when I was scrolling, I saw you did as well for one of them. And Mr. Flav City um, posted something, I think it was yesterday, with his beautiful daughter in a princess jasmine i can't even i don't even know which dress. i think it was no. sleeping beauty sleep mm, no it's her dress isn't bottom, important although she looks she's a, a disney princess oh, snow white <laughs> snow white thank you okay yes. so she's in a beautiful snow white dress which just again it just shows her age she's probably like four or five okay um she's in the aisles of costco and her dad is reading her a food label for a product and asking her if sunflower oil is Bobby approved. Again, this is her dad. So there was like so much to unpack in this in this like two minute video that he posted. But what really pissed me off is like, why are you teaching your kid to call you Bobby? <laughs> like among everything else that's <laughs> happening here, it's like that I like could not get past that to watch the rest of the video. <laughs> Like, I don't think you find that troublesome. <laughs> I like oh I think God. that's so weird amongst everything else, which I would love for you to explain why the entire video is problematic. Oh gosh. Um <laughs> he was I forget the t- one thing was like natural flavors. Are natural so- flavors Bobby approved? And she's like, no. And then he goes into like this item has 10 grams of sugar. This is horrible, blah, blah, blah. And like my heart sank that I was like, oh my goodness, like this poor girl. And again, like what, five years old. What I said in my video is like, okay, he is not, we we cannot point a finger at him and say he is causing an eating disorder, but he is absolutely increasing the risk of his daughter having an eating disorder. I mean, creating foods that are not air quotes approved by you. And so many parents in the comment section on my video, and I I honestly haven't opened it since I posted it this morning. So I I probably should. Um, But so many people were saying how they've noticed when they would do this with their kids and have things that weren't, you know, they're not approved or not allowed in the house that 
they would just go to their friend's houses and like gorge on it because they're not allowed to have it in their house. And we know this, right? Like we talk about this all the time about how restriction is the number one indicator of binging, but it just made me so sad because I was just like, oh, this poor little girl. And so I tried to call him in as kindly as possible to reconsider. <laughs> um, Good for but, you. <laughs> but I feel like I had a lot of sass in my undertone. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's so sad. And like, also I kept thinking about how like, I know you and I are very, very intentional about not showing our children on camera. Um, and I just like couldn't, I could not stop picturing this girl Oh my God. I could like cry at like age 18 watching this video that her dad put on social media saying that she's not allowed to eat something like I could literally start like that is so fucked up. And it's not that it's already fucked up that she's little, but I'm like thinking about the trauma that she's going to have to unpack of like the hundreds of thousands of people that have watched this video, millions, whatever it is. So this brings me to like another point and I know, you know, I won't drag on about this, but one really big thing that we haven't talked about yet is there's this new docu-series on Hulu called The Age of Influence. And I've been like obsessed with it. And I morning, haven't watched it. I need to watch oh, it so Sam. we can unpack it. So okay. there's an episode about the F Factor diet and Emily Gellis. That's a must watch. Okay. But okay. the episode that I started this morning while I was eating my breakfast, I'm like so into it. Matt keeps trying to talk to me during it. He's like, this is fascinating. I'm like, watch it on your own time um but i was watching an episode this morning about this like original youtube family and like this woman who had four kids of her own seven adopted kids or foster kids that turned into adopted kids and they had millions of subscribers on youtube were making like millions of dollars and like what the actual backstory is of that family and the impact of like what led to their downfall and like the way these kids were actually treated and like it brings up like so many different things about like the Sherrington era which is like you know parents sharing too much about their kids online and taking photos and blah 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 and we actually have an exciting guest coming soon on the podcast yes. we're going to dive into this a lot more I like cannot wait um but there's just like so many scary things about that in general and you bring up such a good point besides the impact of the way he's talking to her um just like the impact of her future and what it's setting her up for is just it's terrible I mean this man is incredibly problematic and he has a massive following and it's terrifying I've never seen him before this video. That just shows how like I'm- He's my new nemesis. (laughs) (laughs) He's coming for us. But let's just wrap this with a bow that like your language around food with children is so important. We as parents, as guardians, as important adult figures in the lives of children, our, our relationship with food impacts them so much. And so, ooh. Yeah, we got to like link, maybe we should like link our TikTok videos, our responses in this show notes so people can see it. You know, the previous episode that we recorded with our guest today, which I'll intro- we'll start to introduce her in a second, but Claire Tuning actually talked about, I'm now remembering, we did a Halloween episode with her like two years ago. Yes. She talked about how her family always had candy out like year round. So she was never like obsessed with it as a kid and was always like, I don't want to put words into her mouth or her story, but the gist of it was that like, 
other kids perhaps came over and were like more excited about the candy than she was or something along those lines. Um, and so that very much goes with what we were just talking about and introduces the amazing guests that we had today. Yes. And I do want to say now that you're sparking my memory with Claire, she's like one of those unicorns that's yes. always been an intuitive eater, always been an intuitive eating dietitian. She doesn't have a problematic past. Like yeah, she's not like <laughs> us. Um, but yes, Claire is a registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating counselor who's not on board with restrictive diets. She's the owner and founder of Yours Truly Nutrition, a virtual private practice where she helps individuals heal from chronic dieting and disordered eating so that they can discover a more peaceful satisfaction and trust in their relationships with food and body. When she's not talking with her clients or in her online membership community, you can find her attempting to stay on top of the latest TikTok trends, mm-hmm. listening to T-Swift on repeat, or enjoying her favorite foods, a good old-fashioned PB&J. To learn more about Claire and her work, you can find her on Instagram and TikTok at Claire Tuning. And for additional information about how to work with Claire one-on-one or enroll in one of her self-paced online courses, you can visit ClaireTuning.com. Um, it's also really funny. The example that I always bring up when it comes to like longevity and movement about like the video that I saw of the guy who like wanted to be able to pick up his grandfather if he fell down, that's her cousin. Um, I forgot to mention that to her today. So Claire, when you're listening, that video that your cousin made was like very impactful life, <laughs> And you have been as well. This episode goes over so much about the difference between food preferences and food rules. We talk about gut health in an anti-diet way um, and so much more. So get excited and let's go. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. We have a three-peat in the virtual building. We have Miss Claire Tuning here today. We're so excited to see you. Welcome back, Claire. Thank you all for having me back. Not once, not twice, but thrice. I'm super excited to to be here. Yeah, we were trying to count the number of times before we hit record, but we have landed upon three. All I can think in my elder millennial brain is uh, Lil Wayne's three-peat album. <laughs> yes. Anyone else? <laughs> yes. And I feel like Claire is our first three-peat. Like, yeah. I know we've had some back-to-back, some people have done twice, but I think you're our first three-peat, Claire. So congrats. Well, I am, I am honored. Do I, do I get a sticker? Do I get a... <laughs> It'll be in the mail. <laughs> yeah, we'll send you something. <laughs> well, with that said, what, I mean, I think our audience by now definitely knows who you are, which will give them a refresher, but can you tell us anything that's changed in your amazing life since, I don't know, 2021, maybe? Couldn't we had you back? <laughs> yeah, I think it. I think it was 2021. I um, I guess I haven't moved since then. I'm on the the coast same of green Virginia. Wall. <laughs> yep, same green wall as you can see. Even when I no longer live here, I will always be painting my offices this color. Um, but I'm still a dietitian and a certified intuitive eating counselor. Um, I also work alongside Health Aid Kombucha now as their registered dietitian advisor. Um, I love a, I love a fun drink. I love fun food. I love fun beverages. So it's super cool to be able to work with them. And most recently, what's on the top of my mind right now is I'm doing a video series for summer talking about Nourish Girl Summer. So probably when this comes out, all of the videos will be uploaded. So if anyone's looking for fun recipe and drink ideas to stay nourished this summer, that's what I've been working on most recently. 
amazing and we want to get so many updates i want to ask you (laughs) i know i know i'm like okay jenna hold that thought write them down and before we get into all of your amazing updates and all of the things we got to start it out as we always do now and claire give us your most recent what the actual fork moment something you saw on social something someone said to you you know something you read whatever it is any diet culture thing that you've seen lately that just stopped you in your tracks and made you say what the actual fork and i i have to pick just one is that the deal like just yep, the one. biggest okay. one <laughs> the biggest one probably i mean the thing that came to my mind when you were asking i was running through all of the things but i've just been seeing so much about like greens powders which really is a is a supplement that I don't have a huge issue with. I think it can be an option if you want to use them, if you can afford them, if you like how they taste, if you want some micronutrients in that way. But my what the actual fork moment is when they position them as like anti-bloating. Beat the bloat. Take this and you'll never feel uncomfortable ever again. And I feel like that's just so misleading because yes, if bloating is super painful and so consistent that it's getting in the way of your daily life, it might be something to ask your provider or your dietitian about. But I think we've been conditioned to think that any form of bloating is just terrible and you've done something wrong. Whereas in reality, that's kind of just a natural part of digestion. And a certain amount of that is going to be happening no matter what you're eating. So I think that is um, something that I've seen a lot recently that I just kind of like shrug slash roll my eyes at every time I see it. I love that you brought that up because I think people also don't understand the difference between digesting food and actual bloating, Mm -hmm. right? Like there is a big difference and there also is different levels of quote unquote bloating. And like, I know exactly the company you're talking about. We won't name drop them. Oh, I was just about to. So maybe it's a good- I'll let you do it. Okay. (laughs) I mean, you see the the quote unquote before and after pictures that they put up in these video like promotions on TikTok. And it's like, somebody's like really stretching out their stomach and then they take one- um, dose of this powder and they like all of a sudden have abs. And so like the, that marketing is just so problematic. Yeah. Wa- it's like false advertising. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see the numbers of how much bloom has been sold since Alex Earl has started working with them. That's all I got to say. Probably enough money to do a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah. Her around the world in private jets. So yes. there we have it. <laughs> and this is not anti Alex Earl, but this is anti Bloom. Anyways, moving <laughs> on. Earlier in this episode, you hear our guest reference that their what the actual fork moment is all of these greens powders all over the internet and people feeling like they have to take a greens powder to detox or cleanse their body. And we are so happy that she brought this up because we could not agree more. And this is actually why I chose to give AG1 a try because it's not a greens powder in the sense of diet culture. Is it green? Yes. Is it a powder? Yes. But it does not at all use the marketing of, you need to drink this thing to be the healthiest version of you. 
absolutely not. What I love about AG1 is that it has 75 high quality vitamins and minerals. I use it as my multivitamin for the day, but again, it's no pills. I don't like swallowing pills. I just don't like taking pills. So I love starting my day out with AG1 because as a busy mama, I struggle to get my nutrient density in for the day. And what I mean by that, again, food doesn't have moral value. We know that, right? But I do know that I feel better when I eat certain nutrient-dense foods and I'm in a stage of life with motherhood that I just can't get certain foods and I'm not prioritizing my nourishment. So I'm looking for easy, quick, convenient ways to get nutrient density in and AG1 has really, really been my solution. And I'm really thankful for that. So does that mean you have to try AG1? No, you don't have to. But if you're looking for something quick, easy, and convenient to increase your nutrient density, I think it is a great, great thing to try. So if you want to give AG1 a try and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase, you can go to drinkag1.com forward slash fork. Again, that's drinkag1.com forward slash fork. Check it out. I know Jenna's probably burning to hear, and I I am too. Tell us what are your roles and responsibilities oh, with yes. this new health aid role? Because we love a good kombucha here. We should all. I wish we all had a health aid that we were sipping on right now. Oh my gosh! If I yeah. had the the power to just like poof it into existence on your end of the airwave, I would. Um, so yeah, I, I like to clarify. Like I'm still full time in my business in my private practice. I see clients. I do social media stuff. I host courses. Um, but this RD advisor role it's this really cool position where I'm able to educate their employees on some gut health related topics. Um, I'm also doing some social media content creation for them, some blog creation as well. So, you know, speaking of some of the buzzwordy things that we see on social media, like gut stuff, gut health is a really big one. And some videos and topics out there can be really helpful and informative. Others of them aren't really backed by much. So it's really helpful for them to have a, a professional on board where they can send me an article like, hey, is there truth to this? Can we get a comment? So I always just talk about educating on gut health and what we do know about that from a non-diet perspective. And I think it's really cool to be able to do that because so much of the gut health stuff out there is very restrictive. It is very diety. It's very like anti all foods that taste good and that we enjoy. And I just don't love to see that. So I'm, I'm grateful to work alongside them and they're open to an anti-diet approach, which aligns with mine. Well, I feel like we should switch gears from our prescribed topic of this episode, because I want to talk about <laughs> gut health now, but maybe we'll have time for both. But before we get into like the bulk of what we had planned to talk about, can you share a couple anti-diet focused, um, just some language around gut health in general in an anti-diet way, because I feel like that's a topic we have not covered on this podcast and uh-huh. it's perfect timing. <laughs> totally. I um Well, first of all, and something that I talk about in my content, and I know it aligns with both of your content as well and what you share on the pod, but I talk about an add-in mentality when it comes to gut health, because that is so anti the restrictive content that we see that's like, cut out gluten, cut out dairy, cut out this, cut out that. And 
If you have a medical diagnosis that requires you to cut out those things, obviously do what is best for your safety and your health. But in general, when we look at behaviors to support gut health and what that looks like, it's eating a variety of foods from multiple food groups. It's not um, cutting out foods arbitrarily without medical reason. It's adding in colorful foods. We have our fibers, those prebiotics. Um, it can be looking at sources of probiotics, whether that's a supplement or a beverage or even some fermented foods that may contain probiotics. So my first and my biggest tip is just to diversify your food intake and try to look at that through a lens of satisfaction, like increasing satisfaction through enjoying a greater variety rather than thinking, you know, the healthy quote unquote diet has to be the most limited. So that's a really big one. I also like to talk about things beyond the realm of food because food can have a impact on our overall health and our gut health, but it also goes beyond that to things like stress, like managing stress to the ability that you're able Focusing on sleep, focusing on hydration is a really big one, which is um, with part of the series I'm currently doing. I love talking about mocktails because another one of these behaviors is thinking about moderating or limiting alcohol intake, if that's something you even choose to do at all. So it's really cool when we look at all of these factors that include food, but go beyond food that really don't have to boil down to restriction or cutting out things for no reason, but it's really assessing what can I add in? What are my behaviors like? How am I caring for myself? Sleep, rest, movement, all of the above. And we see that it doesn't have to be diety at the end of the day. So we always, I feel like we've said this on every podcast you've been on, but I love listening to you speak. <laughs> like you are the most eloquent speaker and I could just, you're, you just, oh, I love you, Claire. <laughs> um, but I, <laughs> I was writing down everything that you said and I was like, oh, the individual behaviors section of the determinants of health. And I think it's so interesting to think about how I feel like gut health is wellness culture's mask of weight loss. So it's like, oh, no, 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 we're not, we're not weight loss. We're not diety. This is for your gut health, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, it's the same shit. You're just covering it in glitter and pretending like it's not shit. And so when you're talking about sleep, stress management, hydration, alcohol intake, variety of foods, all of the things that you just named fit under the individual behaviors category of the determinants of health. And I just want to add the little disclaimer to everyone that you can do, you can work on all of these things, you can engage in these behaviors, you can get curious about all of this uncoupled from changing the size of your body. Because I think so many times people think, like with intuitive eating that it's like, oh, isn't it just eating whatever? And it's like, no, we can engage in healthy behaviors if we want to, we don't have to. And we can do that uncoupled from changing the size of our body. So I just wanted to pull in the determinants of health because we talk about that a little bit on other podcast episodes. And I thought it was such a beautiful way that you're bringing in that gentle nutrition piece mm -hmm. to this conversation about gut health as well. Yeah. Well, I think it's cool when we look at, you know, we also talk from this like, like bigger perspective of if you choose to focus on health, if that's a value, we can talk about how to do that separate from weight loss. I think gut health is like 
a little piece under that umbrella, right? It's a, it's a smaller category, a more specific part of your body your digestion, you know, sometimes energy levels, things like that. And we can also look at that if that's of interest to someone, if they want to learn more about that without positioning that as, well, this is something that will lead to weight loss, or you need to focus on in order to change your body. We can also think about that from like, like I said, the digestion perspective, how are you feeling? How are you sleeping? All of those. So yeah, I appreciate how you tied that in. So, okay. I think this pulled in an amazing entryway into this broader topic that we would love to talk with you, the expert about today of the difference between a food preference and a food rule. And I think the reason this came up is because we were talking on a previous podcast about Sam and I just together about how I recently brought like a higher fiber food with me on vacation to travel. I'm currently pregnant. Digestion is slow. You know, it's only going to get slower. And fiber is something that I'm just being a little bit more aware of in my own life at the moment. Um, But in the past, I used to travel with higher fiber foods for a very different reason. Um, and how oftentimes when we talk about the differences between food preferences and food rules, people get confused that it's like, well, can I never eat this high fiber choice again? Or can I never eat a salad again? Because when I used to eat a salad, it was for a different reason, so on and so forth. So Can we untangle together the difference between a food preference and a food rule and like the ability to, at some point in life, feel confident enough, and I'm happy to share my own experience with it, but feel confident enough having these foods under a different intention. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so funny that you you bring this up and you give the example of traveling without higher fiber food because I was going to ask y'all for your life updates. I know we're on a bit of a, a time constraint, but I was going to say, Jenna, like I've seen you traveling and it looked amazing. And I can see the story slide in my head that you were referring to with those higher fiber crackers. And you were talking about in that slide, the difference in intention now versus what it would have been in the past. And I think that's a really good way to sum it up. Like I think we can have the tendency sometimes when we are first getting involved in a non-diet space, we can swing to the extreme of like, I'm never touching those foods again that I used to eat. Like I used to only eat vegetables and only eat fruits, or I guess I can speak from my, uh, from my experience directly. Like I used to only eat plant-based, right? And then we learn about this different approach and this different message that has way more flexibility. And we can be tempted to say like, well, can I never have those things again? Or are those things always going to be tied to dieting or actively trying to control my body? And no, like that's the the the, the short uh, answer there, because we can most definitely redefine our relationships with those foods. And I think choosing something that has higher fiber choosing something, I don't know, I think of like crunchy vegetables in the summertime. Not only are they in season, not only do they have great like health properties with their micronutrient um, 
what is the word I'm looking for? Words are hard for me today. Sam, literally right after you said density. So, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say density, value, whatever you want to say. Yeah. So we can look at it from, from that perspective. And if that is our intention, like I want something crunchy. I want something vibrant. I want to enjoy something that's in season. This sounds good to me right now. That can exist separate from maybe some intentions that we used to have. Like I'm going to select this because it's low in calories or it's allowed on my diet. And I think that's just a dialogue we have to be very open with ourselves about, or be open with our dietitians, our care team. Like if we want to include these foods from a non-diet perspective, and we used to have a more rocky relationship with them where we were choosing them out of restriction, I think we can investigate that relationship over time with the the help of our dietitians and our support system. Does that make sense? I love that all of the examples and how you kind of built off of Jenna's. And I think that's a very natural progression, at least I've seen in practice is when people start to, maybe it is crave a salad again, right? Or want to bump their fiber intake up. Or even maybe if we use an example with movement, like they start to notice that their body is craving movement, whether that's a walk or an exercise class or any form of movement, they start to have that initial fear response of, am I going back to dieting? And I think it's important to note, it's like, no, you're allowed to have nutrient dense foods, right? You're allowed to move your body. Diet culture is not allowed to also take these things from you. It's taken enough in the past and it's, it's not going to take more, but I find, and you've given some examples, Claire, but I would love for listeners who are like in that stage where they're like, okay, how do I know if it's a preference or if it's a food rule? Like, how do I trust myself? Do you have any specific tips for listeners of how to know how to tap into that and recognize if you're doing it for the right intention. Totally. Um, I'll touch on that in a second, but something that you said really just reminds me of this phrase that we always come back to. It's like all foods fit, all foods are allowed. And when we say all, we really mean all, whether that's the fun foods, the foods that are more highly palatable, that are often restricted or or shamed in a lot of diets, but we also mean these foods that do have greater nutrient density, the foods that are colorful, the foods that are higher fiber. So when we say all foods fit, we really mean all things that you enjoy and have access to and that you're not allergic to. Um, But yeah, let's talk about some tips for investigating. Is it a preference or is it um, a rule of some sort? So one thing that I like to talk with my clients about is the idea of thinking of an eating experience as a before, during, and an after. So when we are selecting what we're eating, when we're sitting down with a plate or a bowl, and then when we move on from that, we're having thoughts maybe throughout that entire experience. Now, I want to say that some eating experiences are not going to be mindful, right? (laughs) Sometimes we are just eating on autopilot. We need to do that. Sometimes that's what nourishing our bodies look like. But if anyone who's listening has the opportunity to consider the before, during, and after of a meal or a snack, this is what it could look like. Okay. I'm starting to get hungry or it's snack time. If you're just eating more based on the the time on the clock, what sounds good to me right now? Like what is the food that comes up in my mind? What's in the pantry? What's in the fridge? Like 
what is that first immediate thought? Um, if it is something that feels a little bit more like rigid or if it has a should there or, uh, man, I'm going to feel guilty if I select X over Y, any of those terms that are a little bit more rooted in the guilt or maybe in the should or the healthy versus unhealthy could be indicating that that's a little bit more of a rule. However, if you're considering your food choice more based on, man, that sounds really good. Or man, I haven't been to the bathroom in a few days. Like I'm thinking I, we keep going back to fiber in this episode, but like, I'm thinking I might need something like that. Or, you know, it's really hot outside today. I'm craving something refreshing. Those are some words or some things to look for that could point you in the direction of this decision is about to be one of preference. And I want to acknowledge too, that um, there could be a little bit of both of these terms, right? This doesn't have to be black and white. We can exist in the gray, but try to look for more of these terms that are indicative of, I want this. I'm looking forward to it. This is going to feel good in my body. So that's the before. In the during, also paying attention to um, how you're talking to yourself about the food. So I encourage my clients, um, and this doesn't necessarily have to do with preference, but it's just an overall tip for creating a better relationship with food and time, but trying to use neutral sensory descriptors. So if there is any of that like good, bad mentality, I shouldn't have chosen this, trying to refocus on how is this tasting to me? Does it have a smell? What is the texture? Um, if you have the capacity, how is it feeling like as I'm eating it? This could be a hunger cue thing. This could be an energy thing. This could be, am I enjoying myself? So trying to tap into some of the body experience. And then in the after, how do I feel after I've eaten that? Do I feel satisfied? Do I feel full? Hopefully we feel a combination of both of those things. Like I'm fueled and I'm satisfied. Um, did we feel, do you feel like you're missing something, right? Do you feel like you would like to add more next time? So I think it can be really just like collecting information from the experience as a whole to learn, oh, would I like to change anything about that in the future to make it more of a preference? Is there anything I want to look out for that kind of tips me off to, oh, I'm making a decision based on a rule. So I think we can learn a lot about our relationships to certain foods and how we view them just by examining that before, during, and after. So that's one of my tips. I love that. I think what the only thing that I would add, because again, you speak so beautifully and so thorough, but the only thing I would add is that for me in the past, the intention behind the choice for this fiber cracker, uh, which it was a different one, by the way, just for the record, um, but it's the same concept, but the intention before was to replace a whole food group right? Mm. So the intention was intentionally changing my body and replacing a food that I once feared, which was carbohydrates, right? Um, and the shift for me is that I ate it alongside of half of my son's croissant that he didn't finish, right? So it's a very different intention behind the actual choice to add in, like you were saying, that nu nutrient density, versus take something away. So I think for listeners that have like a single food, like for a lot of the clients I work with, it's protein bars, right? Or like, you know, more like on the go type 
meal replacement, perhaps in the past options that they now maybe are adding into their life as like a snack. And the fear is, but in the past, I used this for this specific thing. Am I allowed to now use it in a different way? And that can be really scary, right? To kind of see a food as a different purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the crunchy vegetables and like the salad example that we all use before is like, so powerful, but it can also go into things like convenience foods, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I rely on convenience like bars to, cause they keep me fuller in between meals. But in the past for a client specific, I'm thinking of one client specifically, like that was like a meal and now to view it as something different has been really difficult for her to bring it in. So we're doing that very, very slowly. Um, So a food preference versus a food rule is like, what is the true intention behind it? Yeah. So tricky. I I really, I'm glad that you added that in. And if we were to almost like, like paraphrase that as a tip in a way, what comes to my mind is, am I doing this? And this is like pulling a lot of words you were using, but am I making this choice to add something in, whether that's nutritional value, flavor, satisfaction, or am I making this choice because I'm cutting something else out. Like that's the gist of what you were saying. But if we had to put it in into one sentence, I think that's a really great litmus test. Cause like the, the fiber, like, am I doing this because man, I'm feeling uncomfortable and I'm traveling or am I doing this because I would really prefer that thing over there, but this option feels safer and better. So the, yeah, really good um question. I hope everyone is taking some notes. <laughs> I think they are. And I feel like we should add a blurb in here or just tell people go rewind to when you started to talk about before, during and after and find a time that you are hungry and you're you're ready to eat and just like click play and let Claire talk you through that. That's such a powerful thing as a certified intuitive eating counselor that I know I do with clients where I'll give them exercises to do while, and I mean, mental exercises of kind of adopting some of this language and being able to turn inward and and listen to the body. So that was amazing. So Claire, let our listeners know where they can find you. Where's the, where can they find nourish girl summer so they don't miss out on this? Where, where's the best place for them to go? Yes. So the places I hang out most often are Instagram and TikTok. You can find me. My handle is my name. So at Claire tuning, Nourish Girl Summer, I like to add in when I'm speaking about it. It is an inclusive term. It's not just for the girlies. It's for all humans. It's a play on Hot Girl Summer, which if you look up like definition of Hot Girl Summer, the first thing it says is an inclusive term. And I'm like, yes, that's what we're going for. Um, But Nourish Girl Summer is going to be live on my Instagram reels and my TikTok as well. I also have a website claretuning.com. I have a podcast that I do once monthly. So it's not as often as what the actual fork, but once monthly, it's the yours truly podcast. But as long as you can type in Claire tuning to Instagram, you'll find all those things. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much, Claire. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all of your friends and faves, and don't forget to rate and review and let us know what you want to hear more of. The more we hear from you, the more that we can make these episodes exactly what you want. 
We would also love to connect with you on Instagram at whatthefork.pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for more fun. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.